Hello, my friends. It's that moment again. A black history moment with Bo. And today, I hope that you are well and your life is in contentment. But I must say, my friends, sometimes we must walk through the fire. Sometimes it seems like our life is in such turmoil that we will never get out of it. That's why I am taking this moment to tell you that you are not unique when it comes to problems. And I promise you this, you will never have a problem that someone else has never had. Do you think that you are the only one that's ever had an eviction notice? Do you think that you're the only one that has ever had their car repossessed? Do you really think that you're the only one to have a child incarcerated or the only one to bury a child? You're not. There are so many people that go through this on a daily basis and they come out of it just as you will come out of this. As long as you keep your head up and take it to the problem solver. And with that said, we're going to slip into darkness and learn something about the father of modern gynecology. Few medical doctors have been as loathed as James Marion Sims. Credited as the father of modern gynecology, Sims developed pioneering tools and surgical techniques related to women's reproductive health. In 1876, he was named president of the American Medical Association. And in 1880, he became president of the American Gynecological Society, an organization he helped found. The 19th century physician has been lionized with half a dozen statues around the country. But because Sims' research was conducted on enslaved black women, Without anesthesia, medical, ethnicists, historians, and others say his use of enslaved black bodies as medical test subjects fall into a long ethnically history that includes the Tuskegee syphilis experiment and Henrietta Lacks. Critics say Sims cared more about the experiments than in providing therapeutic treatment and that he caused untold suffering by operating under the racist notion that black people did not feel pain. My friends, when you study history, this statement will come up more and more. I have no idea 
or any concept of why people think we do not feel pain. This could not be told any better than on the whipping block and the blood that dripped on the ground around it. Sims practiced medicine at a time when treating women was considered distasteful and rarely done. He invented the vaginal speculum, a tool used for dilation and examination. He also pioneered a surgical technique to repair vescular vaginal vistula, a common 19th century complication of childbirth in which a tear between the uterus and bladder caused constant pain and urine leakage. His defenders say the southern-born slaveholder was simply a man of his time for whom the end justified the means and that enslaved women with fistulas were likely to have wanted the treatment badly enough that they would have agreed to take part in his experiments. But history hasn't recorded their voices and consent from their owners who had a large financial interest in their recovery as the only legal requirement of the time. Born in Lancaster County, South Carolina, wow, should have known, in 1813, James Marion Sims entered the medical profession when doctors didn't undergo the same rigorous coursework and training they do today. After interning with a doctor, taking a three-month course and studying for a year at Jefferson Medical College, Sims began his practice in Lancaster. He later relocated to Montgomery, Alabama, seeking a fresh start after the death of his first two patients. In Montgomery, Sims built his reputation among rich white plantation owners by treating their enslaved workers. His practice was deeply rooted in the trade for enslaved people. Sims built an eight-person hospital in the heart of the trading district in Montgomery. And while most health care took place on the plantations, some stubborn cases were brought to physicians like Sims, who patched up enslaved workers so they could produce and reproduce for their masters again. Otherwise, they were useless to their owners. Like most doctors in the 19th century, Sims originally had little interest in treating female patients and no specific gynecological training. Indeed, examining and treating female organs was widely considered offensive and unsavory, but his interest in treating women changed when he was asked to help a patient who had fallen off a horse and was suffering from pelvic and back pain. To treat this woman's injury, Sims realized he needed to look directly into her vagina. He positioned her on all fours, leaning forward, and then used his fingers to help him see inside. 
This discovery helped him develop the precursor to the modern speculum, the bent handle of a pewter spoon. Sims wrote that women had clamored for the operation to relieve their discomfort, but whether they consented or not was never captured in any other historical record. As Bettina Judd, assistant professor of gender, women, and sexuality studies at the University of Washington points out, consent isn't always about whether you can say yes. It's also whether you can say no. Today, we know three of the names of the females Fistula patients from Sims' own records, Lucy Anarcha and Betsy. The first one he operated on was 18-year-old Lucy, who had given birth a few months prior and hadn't been able to control her bladder since. During the procedure, patients were completely naked and asked to perch on their knees and bend forward onto their elbows so their heads rested on their hands. Lucy endured an hour-long surgery, screaming and crying out in pain, as nearly a dozen other doctors watched. As Sims later wrote, Lucy's agony was extreme. She became extremely ill due to his controversial use of a sponge to drain the urine away from the bladder, which led to her contract blood poisoning. I thought she was going to die. It took Lucy two or three months to recover entirely from the effects of the operation, he wrote. For a long time, Sims' fistula surgeries were not successful. After 30 operations on one woman, a 17-year-old enslaved woman named Anarcha, who had a very traumatic labor and delivery, he finally perfected his method after four years of experimentation. That, my friends, is one of those damn moments. Later, he began to practice on white women using anesthesia, which was new to the medical field at that time. While some doctors didn't trust anesthesia, Sims' decision to not use it or any other numbing technique was based on his misguided belief that black people didn't experience pain like white people did, and it's a notion that persists today. Sims also believed that African Americans were less intelligent than white people and thought it was because their skulls grew too quickly around the brain. He would operate on African American children using a shoemaker's tool to pry their bones apart and loosen their skulls. In 1850s, Sims moved to New York and opened the first ever women's hospital, where he continued testing controversial medical treatments on his patients. When any of Sims' patients died, the blame, according to him, 
lay squarely on the sloth and ignorance of their mothers and the black midwives who attended them. He did not believe anything was wrong with his methods. His practices ignited controversy during his lifetime. The medical community debated his methods, and some of his white colleagues even openly objected to his experiments, saying he took things too far. There you have it, my friends. James Marion Sims, the so-called father of modern gynecology. I cannot imagine why anyone would want to erect statues of this man after the way he treated and experimented on our people. That music tells me that it is that time. But before I let you go, I want to leave you with this. Today is the last day of Black History Month. And all the hoopla they've thrown at us over the last 28 days will be over tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed the movies, laughed at the entertainment, and felt good about the media stories that have come out about our black celebrities. But I want you to just ask yourself, during these last 28 days, what have you learned about us? Other than we can act and sing and dance. They had a name for those people during the fifth century. They were called court jesters. Until next time, my friends, it has been my honor.